Hollywood and welcome to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton in Los Angeles and Eric Gardner in New York. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the reborn Los Angeles Rams. Just a little over a week after announcing that head coach Jeff Fisher had received a two-year contract extension, the Rams fired Fisher after his team got bamboozled yet again, 42-14, to to the Atlanta Falcons at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Before we talk about what happened after the game, I will say that the feeling from inside the Coliseum was less anger or disappointment than simply numbness, perhaps the quietest game of the year. In fact, the loudest it, it got, I think, was on two separate occasions when fans scampered onto the field, or when a particularly generous fan started tossing free churros uh, throughout Section 21. Uh, DJ Malski kept playing YG's Why You Hatin', and it really seemed like a rhetorical question. It was clear to everyone, probably within 10 seconds of the game, why we were hatin'. Uh, Mike Thomas, of course, fumbled the opening kickoff in perhaps the most futile Rams moment, since a referee tackled running back Kenneth Darby in December of 2008. Taking over in 2012, Fisher failed to make the playoffs during his entire run with the Rams and never possessed a record over 500. Tanisha, last episode we talked about our fantasy headlines after Sunday's game against the Falcons. Fisher fired wasn't one of the headlines that we saw coming. Uh, we all know why Jeff Fisher was fired. He was 31 and 45 and won during his tenure. But why was he fired now? Why not after the stink bomb in San Francisco, the disaster against the Dolphins, or the slaughter against the Saints? Why? Why was he fired now? And this had to happen now because fans and the team needed something to look forward to. They need something to look forward to in this new era. You can tell that the team had given up in that game against Atlanta. Like you said, from the opening uh, kickoff, the fumble uh, that led to, what was it, a touchdown in seven seconds. The team just looks lost. It looks like Fisher lost control of this team. He lost control of the public image, the public relations, all this stuff. Somebody needed to answer for this. And especially in a game when you give up more touchdowns than you've scored in 13 weeks, Somebody has to answer for this. Somebody had to say that this is unacceptable. They scored. The Atlanta, of course, has scored more touchdowns at in the Coliseum yeah. than the Rams, the Rams had the whole year. The, the entire year so far. That's an embarrassing, ridiculous stat that shows that there is no control of what's going on right now. So somebody had to answer now and that there needed to be something to look forward to, something to look forward to in this new era. Because that extension that you talked about, it was basically a moving bonus. Hey, get the team into a new city. We'll give you this little extension. We'll give you some money to get this off of our back just because it's a headache to have to move an entire franchise over here and have to deal with all of the media relations that has to come with that. Here's a little moving bonus, but in the long run, we all know we're going to start a new era and it's going to be a new system and it's going to be a new winning system because you've proven that you don't know how to run one. I feel like that you know, is all true, but a lot of what you just said I could have been Probably Done before the same rationale for sure. you know giving Fisher his walking yeah. papers you know any time throughout the season. Why why do you think uh, this 
move was made now, Eric? Well, I think uh, it wasn't made earlier because they felt some sort of a loyalty uh, to Fisher for bringing the team from St. Louis to Los Angeles. I think they wanted to give him give him some time. I, I, I do think that they were optimistic about the long-term hopes of the franchise. I definitely don't think that they saw this record coming. Uh, they anticipated, you know, how futile uh, the season would go. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the, the woeful state of, of game on the play, the, the off-field troubles with Eric Dickerson and, and just just a, a, a kind of laddening uh, cry from, from the media and from fans that, that, you know, Jeff Fisher with the problem resulted in a change having to be made. Um, you know, you can only be deaf for so long. And I think that uh, they uh, they figured it out and, and decided that they were better off doing it now than, than any time after the season. Yeah, this this really was the year of the uh, protest throughout the yeah. NFL in a lot of ways. We you know we started so the true. the year with the Patriots, um, uh, you know, protesting the suspension of uh, Tom Brady and DeflateGate, and then we moved on to Colin Kaepernick um, refusing to stand for the national anthem and a whole host of. Uh, Black Lives Matter style uh, demonstrations by players, and um, then the Dickerson embargo, which seemingly uh, got rid of a coach in a lot of ways, led a uh, a popular uprising to a certain extent that um, the Rams organization uh, couldn't um, really ignore. I think. Um, Look, I think that's really the story. Without Dickerson, I don't know that. Um, I mean, what do you think? Without Dickerson's pro, you think Fisher's still coaching? I really don't. I think he'd still get fired at least by the end of the season, uh, early in the off season, um, without with or without the Dickerson story. That certainly helped and amplified it. Yeah. Um, and it certainly didn't help the public image because um, in the court of public opinion, he was fired then. Some underrated reasons why he might have gone right now. I think the the Chargers picking up steam, the idea that this is uh, getting more and more closer to a done deal, I think mm-hmm. puts the Rams, makes the Rams feel a little bit more urgency to recapture um, the typical Los Angeles uh, sports fan. Um, the Kevin Demoff announced that the... Um, coach would most the new coach would most likely be named in mid-January which would be exactly the time where the Chargers would be announcing that they would be returning to LA Um, so you know it's a nice way nice way to I think upstage that return I think that's maybe a little bit of a icing on the cake not a coincidence I think also honestly look at the schedule here guys Um, we've got three games left um, in the season, Seattle, San Francisco, and Arizona. What do these three teams have in common? Well, obviously they're in the division, but but and you know, I- Fisher only wins in the division. What if they were afraid that Fisher was going to win this thing out? I I don't think that would have changed much. I I do think that that 
the team had become a, a, a bit of a embarrassment. And even had they won out, I think that there would, would be, you know, people saying, well, you know, Fisher is good at, at, at winning in the division, but he can't make the playoffs. Right. Uh, there would be a lot of uh, back pointing to the quote he made during hard knocks about, you know, 7-9 not being good enough. Right. I, I, you know, he would have ended up exactly at 7-9. Don't think it would have saved him. If you could take a look back at the, at the Fisher era, um, both in Los Angeles and St. Louis, um, what are some of the reasons you think the Rams were so bad during this entire era? I don't think that there's any one reason. And, um, you know, we can't point to any uh, Billy Goats or, you know, trading of superstars as a curse moment. Um, you know, I think it was just a combination of the fact that they started off so t- just with, with nothing. And then they, you know, they brought in a, a lot of young players year after year. They, they're the youngest team um, in, in the league. Um, these players didn't live up to pedigree. I think that their their schemes were were quite dull over the years. Uh, I think that you know the, the personnel that they put on on the field and and their you know just you know oblivious, obliviousness to to their weaknesses. They insisted that these players would improve, um, but you know it, it really just feels like they've been going around in circles where you know they have a, a few good players, but they're always. Um, have these huge holes. I, I, I don't know if there's any you know, one particular thing that you could say that, that they could have done differently. I think that they stumbled into some bad luck. Um, you know, for instance, the pick of Greg Robinson. Uh, you know, no one was, was saying it was a bad decision at the time. But, you know, you need to really hit when you have such a high draft pick, and clearly they did not. Um, so, you know, all these things in, co- in combination led to, you know, mediocrity at best and, um, you know, uh, just, you know, it's not good enough an- a- anymore. I-, I think that, that you know, as Tanisha said, you know, you, you need hope going into uh, a new season with a new fan base um, and, you know, clearly it just didn't pan out. You're being a little modest uh, about the uh, Greg Robinson pick, Eric. Um, you you, sh- you deserve to take credit. You all along were advocating for Khalil Mack, so um, I, I did. I did want Khalil Mack, but you know, I wasn't. You know, it, it was a defensible pick. I mean, they de- definitely needed offensive linemen. I would have preferred Jake Matthews at the time. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't one of those things where right away, you know, I was was saying, okay, this guy's definitely going to be a bust. I just saw that the, the risk-reward scenario, taking a, you know, a 21, 20-year-old uh, who was projected as a, as a bit of a project, you know, putting him into, uh, you know, a young team when, when really they needed certainty was not a good idea. Well, we had also... <laughs> We had also been through that before, you know, in 2009 with that same second pick, we picked a similar style project, Jason Smith. Um, but it doesn't seem uh, that the Rams have, have uh, were paying attention. It was a different regime, that's for sure, uh, and a different type of player. And, and, and Greg Robinson has had different problems. I actually give them, I give them more fault over the Jake Long um, situation. 
Um, there they signed the top free agent to, to be to be their tackle. I thought that was a good decision at the time. But because of injuries, he wasn't the same player. Now, what did they do? In, in, instead of saying, you know, okay, we didn't hit here, let's try a different free agent, they, the lessons that they drew were, you know, free agency just doesn't work. It's too risky. So let's stay out of free agency. Let's not make any gambles anymore. And let's just try to, you know, hit home runs with, with uh, you know, mid-late round picks. And, and you know, for the last few seasons, they've had the worst offensive line. And I think that's been, you know, a core part of their offensive struggles. So Kevin Demoff, as I alluded to, uh, said we will hopefully have a new head coach by mid-January. So in the next few episodes, certainly we'll be delving into the annals of L.A. Rams history and talking about the coaching changes that they've made in the past, where they've gotten it right, where they've gotten it wrong. A lot of names bandied about. Uh, First and foremost, Jim Harbaugh, who Eric Dickerson uh, immediately followed on Twitter uh, after the uh, Fisher firing. He also made a case for Harbaugh on uh, Colin Cowherd's uh, show. Uh, David Shaw, uh, the Stanford head coach who recently paid uh, a visit. I totally ironically, I have no idea how this, but he paid a visit to the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. Um, Josh McDaniels, another name bandied about, who was the Rams offensive coordinator in 2011, right before uh, Fisher took over in 2012. And Kyle Shanahan, uh, who was uh, engineering the the Falcons offense that destroyed the Rams uh, this past Sunday. Um, He was either courted, offered the job, offered an interview, the job for offensive coordinator after Brian Schottenheimer left prior to 2015. Um, But I don't know about that one. His father, uh, Mike Shanahan, is one of uh, Fisher's buddies, so I could see that um, being a little bit of a, a tough one. Look, I think this is a catch-22. I think, especially in a place like Los Angeles, uh, when you guys have hit upon the need to instill hope in the fan base, you want to give, you want to get the biggest name out there. But uh, the biggest name out there is going to want big control of the team. And and this is a problem. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, this is what doomed... But the gosh. Fisher regime. Um, what do you? Who do you think is the best fit for the Rams in 2017? I'm not sure who might be the best fit, but the the, the sexy pick is Jim Harbaugh for sure. That's the name. When you come to Los Angeles, you want that big name, that star power, but he is going to want control. And Stephen A. Smith called it poetic justice if you were to come here and then play in the same division against the 49ers now and have that going because he's got unfinished business against York and all of them up there. So it would be a little bit of poetic justice and it would add some awesome storylines to the divisional games that are always close anyway and that we play well against, like we've already said. Um, but I think he's got a good enough track record as well when you look at like what he did with Andrew Luck, what he did with Alex Smith, what he did with Colin Kaepernick, now what he did in Michigan making them rank number five. He's got a system where he at least knows how to coach quarterbacks. He knows how to create a winning system and turn teams around. That would be interesting to see 
been, you know, pull up and move like like recruiting Pete Carroll from Seattle. Hmm. Uh, that would uh, that would be a shock to the system and and a thumb at the eye of a division rival. Um, but 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 overall, you know, I'm actually a bit more interested to see what happens from a management standpoint, whether they uh, retain less need um, uh, going forward, and, and whether there's going to be any change in in, in philosophies on, on uh, pre agent and, and drafting. But um, do you uh, guys, do you guys think this is a? I mean, there's this idea out there that this is an attractive uh, opportunity. Do you guys agree? Absolutely, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for a coach. You have a you, you have a pretty young team, uh, a, a, a top drafted QB, um, one of the best defensive players in the in the NFL, and most importantly, a huge uh, market in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, with all the glitz and glamour. So I, I think uh, you know this. It, it, Besides being the, you know, having an owner who's one of the richest people in the world, I mean, it, it, it's a recipe for, for, you know, a coach to want to come. Even a Jim Harbaugh, if he decides to leave Michigan. I don't want the Rams to go after the biggest possible name. Just, just for Flash. Just for Flash. I mean, I think that was the mistake of the golf trade. And it's very easy to get into that pattern here of just... We, you know, this is it. You know, you you could make this argument to the seller, all the way to the seller of the NFL, that this is LA. There are a lot of options out there. You can't take for granted a fan, the fan support. You got to sell hope. We got to get their attention. We got this. That's not necessarily the best way to rebuild an NFL team. So, you know, for me, I think the Fisher era has been doomed by. Jeff Fisher's total control of this team. Mm-hmm. So I think a young guy where they can install a proper check and balance between general manager, a, a, an empowered and emboldened general manager with a vision and a coach who knows the tactics and has a modern approach to pro football and um, isn't afraid to... Um, empower some assistant coaches with modern approaches to NFL football. That's what I'm really looking for. So I think the big trap here in a lot of ways is the Harbaugh type hire. Um, it's the issue of power. It's, yeah. the, it's the total control. It's the, what we said last week was that, you know, Jeff Fisher is that guy who surrounds himself with yes men. Yep. So, and that's what doomed him ultimately is that he's just surrounded himself by no one that's going to give him positive criticism despite the obvious truth of what's in front of him, that that can set you up for failure when you are surrounded by, yes, sir, yes, that's a great idea, da 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 and nothing that is actual positive criticism um, and any sort of good critique like that. So I can I see how you're worried with like a Harbaugh coming in and doing the exact same thing, and then we're yeah. having this conversation all over again next year. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the world of drug dealers, comic books, white girls, and real niggas. In this segment, which we call Film Study, we dissect an episode or scene from a film or TV show that prominently features Los Angeles Rams. Thankfully, there are thousands to choose from, many of which we've chronicled on our greatest show on Grass, Tumblr. 
Today we're going to talk about the second of six episodes of Hollywood in Football on the E! Network, which chronicles the Rams' transition to life in Los Angeles through the eyes of its players and their players' wives and girlfriends. The Rams of the series have had some bizarre experiences since arriving in Hollywood, being chased by paparazzi, even when the paparazzi aren't sure of who you are, a running gag on the show is Lance Kendricks being mistaken for LeBron James, or being hunted by gold-digging thotties in your own home, which happened at Roger and Asia Saffold's pool party. This week, things got kind of meta, as Kenny and Sabrina Britt were welcomed to their new home in Calabasas by next-door neighbor Kendra Wilkinson, who once starred on the e-reality series The Girls Next Door. Kendra shares some champagne with Sabrina, and the two seem to hit it off. Kendra's husband, Hank Basket, after all, played in the NFL. And the two new friends debate going to Drake's house down the street to knock on his front door. Sabrina invites Kendra to meet the Ramily later that week, and they get together at Villa on Melrose. Danielle Hendricks is a little self-conscious about it, fearing that Kendra's going to be judgmental of her foofy-laced hair accessory. Guys, I'm so excited you guys finally get to meet Kendra. Do you think she'll judge no my way. little hat? Like, is she judgmental? No, she's gonna love it. Okay. She's in Hollywood. She's, no. she's been in Hollywood for a long time. Yeah, so she's like a pro. I invited my fun new neighbor, Kendra, to lunch today so she could meet Asia and Danielle. She's a football wife, a California native, and she likes to drink before noon, so I'm pretty sure we'll all get along pretty well. I love your look, by the way. Thank you, you like it though, it's not too oh my much. God, I like, Kendra, it. Kendra's gonna judge me, but. No, that's how it is out here, like you can just be yourself, mm. you know, and you're not gonna stick out like a sore thumb, like as you probably would, would in yeah. St. Louis. Be yourself, you'll be accepted. But the fact that this advice is coming from a blonde hair, blue-eyed ex-cheerleader who was once one of Hugh Hefner's three girlfriends, makes Wilkinson's advice ring a little hollow, and as a result, makes the Rams' wives seem even more out of their element. It's a theme that makes its way throughout the second episode, for the Rams' wives and their husbands, as they attempt to fit in. In Los Angeles, they end up seeming more and more St. Louis. They go to a cheesily self-styled aphrodisiac dinner and later play parlor games at the Brits' new home in Calabasas. And here's where it gets fascinating. The realization that the legacy of St. Louis is keeping the Rams from growing in L.A. It's a jarring experience on an e-reality series during a week when the Rams fired the man who many believed was shackling the team to its unsuccessful St. Louis legacy. Maybe that's why the series has angered a lot of Rams fans, because it reminds them that the Rams are celebrating their Hollywood roots, even though they still bear all of the outward signs of having all the star power of St. Louis. Check out this exchange, which occurred this week on Twitter, hours before the Fisher firing, between a fan and offensive lineman Roger Saffold. At Tyler Willie 15 says, At Roger Saffold can't block for shit or he's hurt. What a waste. He loves being on TV, though. It's an allusion, of course, to the E! show. Roger Saffold uh, responded, 
Tyler Willie 15, you don't know anything. Sit at your home and shut your mouth. You can line up against me and find out. Now, once Fisher was fired, the reality series again seemed like it spoke to the Rams on the field fortunes. As BET's The Real invited Sabrina Britt, Danielle Kendricks, Asia Saffold, and Kyla Reynolds on the show to comment on the turn of events. On Monday, the Rams head coach, Jeff Fisher, was let go. What was your guys' reaction to that? Well, personally, um, the Britt family, we have like a close relationship with Fisher. He was actually the head coach that drafted my husband to the NFL wow. back in 2009. And then, you know, we ended up in St. Louis as well. So it was really hard for us, you know, it was kind of a sad day. With us, it's kind of like you got to just keep going, get the punches and keep rolling. Now, let's not make too much of this. Sabrina Britt, Danielle Hendricks, Asia Saffold and Kyla Reynolds aren't football analysts. They're not going to tell you anything about Jeff Fisher's inability to improve the team's offense. They're not going to tell you anything about Jeff Fisher's inability to develop offensive linemen or wide receivers. But whether we like it or not, the LA Rams are a conversation between Hollywood and football. And it's an incredible, interesting conversation, I think. It's why Rob Lowe and Snoop Dogg were rallying the fans around Eric Dickerson's embargo, and why one of Alan Thicke's last tweets on Earth was to bash the hypothesis that Dickerson was only attacking Fisher to hype Dickerson's appearance on NBC's The Apprentice. The conversation between Hollywood and football goes back to 1946 and is now back in Los Angeles. And it's so much bigger than an e-reality series. We all trying to find our niche. Gotta grab it by the throat and make the world your bitch. It's the American way. Plug into the drive and let the narrative play. We obsess with nothing but the best. The Rams head to Seattle to take on the 8-4-1 and Seattle Seahawks this Thursday. The Seahawks are coming off a surprising 38-10 loss at Green Bay in which quarterback Russell Wilson threw five interceptions somehow. The Rams beat Seattle 9-3 to back on September 18th at the Coliseum, but are 14-point underdogs as they head to CenturyLink Field for a nationally televised Thursday night game. Fisher was, of course, 5-4 and four as Rams head coach against uh, Seattle. Uh, while going 22-33-1 against the rest of the league. Uh, can the can these guys win one for Fisher? Um, <laughs> I don't know if they would, if you can say they're necessarily doing it for Fisher, but um, I think the firing will definitely light a fire, no pun intended, in them to play a little bit more inspired, regardless of, uh, what's his name, the special coordinators coach that's now stepping in? John for Bones, John Fossil. Right, so... Uh, it's, it's not going to be for him. It's not going to be for Fisher. It's going to be for themselves if they pull this game out. Do you give them a chance, Eric? Yeah, they have a chance. You know, honestly, at, at this point in the season, I'm not sure whether it really matters too much, whether right. they win or lose. I'm sure uh, Tennessee fans disagree there. But, uh, um, you know, overall, I think what I'm looking to see is just more general improvement from Goff. Um, uh, I think that will go the longest way towards 
uh, optimism towards the next season, maybe even attracting a head coach. Um, I, you know, if they win, they they win, but I don't think anyone's going to be feeling too great about it a, a, afterwards. Uh, I don't I don't know whether a win would be interpreted as, as as the players saying, you know, we did it for Jeff Fisher. I think it would, you know, essentially be, you know, for some strange reason, the Rams match up well against the uh, against Seattle. Um, you know, this is uh, you know a Thursday night matchup with without too much too much stakes. The you know the Rams are out of it. Seattle is is struggling a bit, but they they have a pretty good lock on the division, um, and both teams are you know have short weeks. So I expect kind of a a, a lack of, lack of effort uh, by both teams. Maybe you know kind of a lethargic play. And, you know, it's easy to see the Rams, you know, stealing one here. But, um, you know, if if the game gets lopsided, that wouldn't shock me either, considering that, that you know, um team has essentially gave up during the last uh, game. So who knows what's going to happen on Thursday night. If the Rams do win this game, then those last two games, uh, Arizona and the 49ers... Um, could you know you could foreseeably see them winning out the season if they win this one? Um, if they do win out the season, does John Fossil earn the right to be seriously considered as the next head coach of the LA Rams? No, I don't. I don't think that. I I, I don't think that uh, you know three wins at the end of the season are, are going to do it for him, unfortunately, because he's done a you know particularly good job on special teams. We we uh, shouldn't know, uh, miss the fact that you know they have have excelled at, at special teams the last few years. Fortunately, it's not good enough to to be a good team, but um, yeah, there's nothing that he can do. I think that that would uh, um, earn him uh, an extension. I think that the team wants to you know, take a, a complete split from the Jeff Fisher era and hire someone bold and new. couple of notes on this game. The Rams will be wearing white and blue on their helmets for the first time since 1973. They wore blue and white from 1964 to 1972, um, mostly because of TV. Um, yellow didn't play well on, uh, on television at the time. Uh, and then... Uh, when color TVs became uh, all the vogue and Carol Rosenblum took over the team, uh, they, they returned to the, uh, to the gold uh, style um, uh, uniforms. But, so they'll be wearing these old school um, uniforms. Uh, this is also a rematch, uh, I should say, of uh, Doug Baldwin and uh, Aaron Donald, who... Uh, who played each other in the uh, Madden 17 Xbox uh, charity challenge. Uh, Donald's Rams defeated Baldwin's Seahawks 20 to nine. And, and uh, um, uh, if Aaron Donald, just when you think Aaron Donald uh, can't do anything more to pile on to the argument that he's the uh, greatest player in the NFL, he won $51,000 worth of Microsoft products for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, probably the silver line. We don't talk a lot about Aaron Donald, but we do have the best player in football on our team. It's kind of the unfortunate part of all of this, the headlines that are trapping 
the season. It's like we're talking about can Gurley get going? We're talking about Eric Dickerson. We're talking about Fisher. We're talking about Goff. But like you said, like this guy is legit one of the best players like in the NFL, regardless of position. He's just one of the best players around. And it's a lost season. And it's really unfortunate. And you hope that somebody can come in and just help remind him of who he is and the potential that he has and that he's been fulfilling for himself as a player. You definitely want somebody to, you don't want him to regress from here. Yeah. You don't want him to go down and, and start to, you know, take this on. So this is going to be, this is an interesting challenge personally and emotionally for somebody to have to go through such a roller coaster and a turmoil season like this. Um, so I just hope that he, he knows who he is. He knows the type of player that he is. And it's going to take, you know, whoever's going to be coming in um, as head coach to really help nurture these guys. Because like Gurley said, with this being a middle school offense, like it's a wasted year. It's a wasted season. It's a waste of my time. So you, you really want somebody to help nurture and just reinvigorate these guys to come up next year and, and be the stars that they are. Well, thank you for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate it, and review it on iTunes and recommend it to the Rams fans in your lives. Whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years or one year. Jogging through the junkyard, kicking the can. Never would I think I had the world in my hand.